Welcome back to Small Town Missing. I'm Thomas. I'm Will. And I'm Rhonda. And we have had some technical difficulties, so... Rest in peace. Thomas is probably not going to be talking much this episode. You need to talk. You need uh, to contribute. Then again, I don't talk many episodes. You need to. I said, shoot, we, we were talking all about Chandra last episode. Well... You ready to get this started? You can see he does not want to talk. He's like, I'm trying to like in, involve I, I am, him. I am in a very grumpy mood when it comes to technology right this moment. You shouldn't be in a grumpy mood. It's one of your off days. Yeah, I have a grand total of... Of, of dose. Oh, let's see. I go back to work in... You're like two hours. Oh, eight hours. <laughs> I, leave, I leave for work in eight hours. I know. Well, it didn't help the fact that you I still you have to doing... go to bed. Well, you were like doing what I did and just work so far away, so it automatically takes away from your overall hours anyway. Yeah, uh, a day, it's about an hour to an hour and a half of travel. It just sucks. I hate that, especially with freaking gas, how high it is. That's not a podcast. I guess this isn't the economic podcast yet. No, it's not the let's vent podcast. Ah, Thomas was feeling good, though. It should be. I'm talking (laughs) to myself in third person because I'm very angry. I'm doing, okay, that's, I'm doing that's it, a signal of something. I, I'm doing this to disassociate myself with my anger right oh, now. Listen, so this is how we find out Thomas has like some, something going on with him right now. Yes, I am up in the head. Oh, shoot. Who isn't nowadays? Okay, well, let's let's put that aside. Change topics? Yeah. Thank let's you. Let's move forward. Okay, so this episode is about Ashley Loring Heavy Runner, and this is uh, going to be one of probably our one of my, our most current cases mm-hmm. because she disappeared in 2017. Yeah, we both, I, I think, uh, yeah, the most only other current case I think we had, relatively speaking, I guess, was Brittany Drexel. And I think, because they had had a development this year, but right. it wasn't, I think that it was originally like 2009 or 10. So yeah, this is recent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, relatively speaking, this is recent. And mm-hmm. we probably should do some more current maybe something you know within the, the year or within 12 months mm-hmm. like the Not social media age you know all yeah. the armchair detectives exactly and you know maybe put some information out there about someone who's been missing a little more recently yeah. but anyway so moving on with this um ashley loring loring heavy runner also known as ashley loring was 20 years old when she went missing from Browning, montana on june 5th 2017 one of the last known sightings of Ashley occurred the evening of June 5th at a party on the Blackfeet Reservation in Browning. She had reached out on social media earlier in the day asking for a ride into town from the family's ranch. Mm-hmm. A video was posted that evening showing Ashley had attended the party. In the video, she was seen talking and drinking with other party guests. I see. I already love this, Rhonda, because we already have you know confirmation that that we made she made it to the party. So it's not one of those things like did she or didn't she, you know. Yeah, we know for sure she did make it to the party. Uh, Ashley had planned on moving in with her older sister, Kimberly Loring, in Missoula, Montana. Uh, Kimberly was out of the country on June 5th. Mm. Uh, According to NBCNews.com, Ashley had reached out to Kimberly that night asking for money. And Kimberly had responded back, you know, reminding her sister that she was still out of the country. Uh, But she did ask Ashley if she was okay. And Ashley responded back that, yes, she was okay. Yes, everything seems normal so far. Everything seems normal. It never is. It, no, it never is. It never is on this podcast. Uh, I can't find the exact date that Kimberly returned home, but with the information I did find, it, it seems it was shortly after June 5th. Okay, so shortly after like she had had this conversation with her. Right, I, within a few days, yeah. Uh, Kimberly expected to hear from Ashley pretty soon, uh, pretty much as soon as her flight landed. She expected to hear from Ashley saying, okay, I'm ready to move. Yeah. But the days went by. She tried calling. She tried texting, but she didn't get a response. Uh, Then she reached out to Ashley's friends 
And they hadn't heard from Ashley since June 5th. Oh, so like the night of the party, like that was like the last time. Right, right. So according to Kimberly, Ashley would have told her family if she was going anywhere. It was a close family. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure the exact circumstances, but Kimberly and Ashley had spent time in foster care prior to moving in with their grandparents. Mm, okay. So the sisters were definitely close. And okay. So, and this wasn't, so like the family, I guess like mom and dad weren't in the picture or anything as much? I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I didn't see anything about the mom, mm-hmm. uh, the dad, there's, uh, I do have a note. Uh, well, actually, that's my next piece Oh, okay, of this. sorry. See, look, yeah. I'm getting ahead of the story. You are jumping ahead. The family knew that something was really going on when her father went into the hospital and she did not visit, did not check on check on him, didn't call or anything like that. Oh, so, so they yeah. knew there was something going on. Of course. So I guess she did have a, something of a relationship with her father, even though she was it probably living didn't there live or, with him yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Ashley's family family contacted the Blackfeet Law Enforcement and the Bureau of Indian Affairs in a 2022AETV.com article by Sarah Kelper. Uh, according to Kimberly, and this is, quote, no one took it seriously. Really? Officials basically said Ashley is an adult and can come and go when she wants. On June 2021, NBCNews.com Dateline article by Andrea Cavalier, C-A-V-A-L-L-I-E-R, may explain this a little further. According to this article, when law enforcement was contacted, Blackfeet Law Enforcement conducted a search that lasted for about three days. Bureau of Indian Indian Affairs didn't get involved for another two months. This is according to Kimberly. Mm, that's and weird. It is weird. And it may have to, something to do with jurisdiction. I'm not really sure. Yeah, that's what I was saying. We kind of had a conversation like, whose jurisdiction is this? In the meantime, Ashley's family began their own search. Now, the Blackfeet Reservation is over 1.5 million acres. Mm. It's larger than the state of Delaware. Oh, my God. And at the time of Ashley's disappearance, Blackfeet law enforcement had less than 20 officers. So... <sighs> spread thin is divide the millions yeah. by the 20 and they still have you know so much yeah exactly so what can i say it's not a lot of resources you can't do that you're not going to be able to you know explore every single acre of that either you know and which is unfortunate but it's just the truth yeah it is just the truth uh, a tip came in a couple of weeks after ashley's disappearance a young woman was seen running from a vehicle on highway 89 on the reservation now, I don't have any information if it was a car or a truck, if it appeared the young woman had jumped out of the vehicle yeah. or if she was being chased by the vehicle. I, I couldn't find that kind of detail. Okay. So not sure exactly what happened there. And I didn't see any description as oh, to so what the woman looked like. Who they looked like or right. whatever. Uh, family and friends searched the area, which is described as desolate. Now, I've been to a small section of Montana, and yeah, I can understand desolate, and I can understand remote, incredibly yeah. remote. Well, I just think of, uh, I, what's that show that we always watch, Yellowstone, and how remote everything is on that show? Yeah, yeah. So I could see that. Yep. Now, a sweater and a pair of red-stained boots were found. Uh, someone who had seen Ashley the night of her disappearance verified that she'd been wearing the sweater. Oh, okay. So they were like, that's a visual confirmation. They're like, okay, we can like, well, I guess not necessarily put it on her yet, but just they could see that that's a similar shirt to what she was wearing. Right. Right. Yeah, I would assume it's the same thing, maybe, yeah. but kind of a coincidence there. Mm-hmm. Um, the sweater and the boots were given to authorities. In 2018, Kimberly appeared before the U.S. Senate Committee on Indian Affairs in D.C. She described what she believed to be mismanagement of evidence and how Ashley's disappearance wasn't taken seriously. For example, the sweater I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, 
was misplaced for a time. Oh my God. Of course it was. Yeah. I don't know how long it was misplaced, but it was gone for a while and then it came back. Well, that's the thing. If you break, if you break the chain of command or something like that and you lose like a piece of of, of clothing like that, I mean, that could just jeopardize everything like testing of that clothing or anything. Yeah. Chain of custody. Yeah. Chain of custody. So in February of 2018, the FBI joined the investigation. According to a spokesperson for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the FBI crime lab did find evidence on some of the items found, but couldn't comment due to the ongoing nature of the case. Okay, so like they got something on the back burner there. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, I couldn't find any information on a suspect or a person of interest, but the family believes there's a few people who know, if not what happened, at least more of the story. Yeah. <clears throat> it sounds like, I don't know, this party. I just keep going back to this party, uh, honestly, Rhonda, especially if that's the last point that anyone saw her. Well, maybe, maybe. not okay. the case. Okay. So here we go. Okay. And so this, now here's the real story. The podcast starts here. Yeah. And it gets a little, con- I don't know if I'd say confusing, but maybe convoluted here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as I said earlier, the sisters had spent some time in foster care before living with their grandparents. Uh, Ashley had taken the death of her grandfather really hard. I bet. Uh, according to Kimberly, Ashley started spending time with an older group of people and began using drugs. I wonder how much older than her, because what, she was 21 or You're so? jumping the gun. Oh my gosh, well, here we go. Hey, I try to put as much <laughs> in as, into the podcast as I can. Now, one of these was Sam McDonald. The sweater and the boots mentioned earlier were found near a lake house owned by Sam. Of course it was. And McDonald states that he saw Ashley the morning of June the 11th, 2017, and had apparently spent several of the prior days with her. Uh, She asked him to take her to a roadside pull-off where she would meet Paul Valenzuela, also known as V-Dog. Valenzuela, like McDonald, was in his 50s. Oh, my God. 50s? You answered my question, Rhonda. Exactly. You just wait. I'll answer your question. I should have known. According to abcnews.go.com, October 8, 2019 article by Evan Simon, Jessica Hopper, Eamon McNiff, and Allie Yang. Hopefully I got everybody <laughs> in there. Valenzuela had a criminal background that included burglary and weapons convictions. Hmm. At the time of her disappearance, Ashley was seeing Valenzuela. And at the time, Valenzuela was married to Tashina Running Crane also known as T. Oh, so they so they, this is a little love triangle going on and like a weird thing going on. Yeah, here. it's uh, yeah, yeah, like I said it's a little bit convoluted. Yeah, convoluted. According to Sam McDonald, he took Ashley to the pull-off. He fell asleep while waiting for Valenzuela to arrive. When he woke up, Ashley was gone. Hmm. He says he looked around for Ashley, but he assumed that she went off with Valenzuela that he had finally arrived while while McDonald was asleep. Okay, so yeah, like she left while he was sleeping. Right, because he couldn't find her. Uh, got out of his car, looked around. I'm find sure her. he looked so hard. Yeah, I would think, I, I assume that she must have gotten out of the car before he fell asleep. Yeah. Because I would think if someone got out of the car and slammed a car door, I yeah. would wake up. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it, and also, since it's probably just him, because it's just, he's kind of putting just her and him in the car together, it's his story. I mean, I guess we kind of have to go with what he's telling us, I guess. Yeah, I think we do at this point. Uh, McDonald told Kimberly she needed to talk to Paul and Tashina. Shortly after Ashley's disappearance, Kimberly says she texted Paul and Tashina. According to abcnews.go.com article, a person identified as T claimed Paul has her. I'm quoting this. And a person identified as Paul said, quote, 
Tashina is giving you false info. Ask her. She probably knows more than she's saying. So everyone is just throwing each other under the bus. Pointing fingers. It is pointing yes, fingers. pointing fingers, unfortunately. In a Nightline interview, Tashina claimed she didn't know about Paul and Ashley's relationship until after Ashley's disappearance. Mm-hmm. So like maybe she just uncovered it or somebody told her or something like that. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Got word of it. And at the time of the interview, Tashina said she had spoken to Paul, found out the truth, and, quote, I told him I was sorry <clears throat> and everything for even thinking like that. But during the interview, Paul called Tashina and hung up when she told him she was talking to who she was talking to and that Nightline would like to talk to him. Oh, my God. <laughs> So they're calling him out on Nightline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so click. Tash- yeah, um, yeah. Tashina ended the interview with Nightline when she was shown the text from Paul that had been sent to Kimberly. Because what I was quoting were texts yeah. that Kimberly had received. Yeah, and thank God for text messages and stuff like that in like the social media age nowadays. Because at least you have something to fall back on if you yeah. need it. Exactly, exactly. Sorry, I'm shuffling papers. Shuffling here. papers. Over Thomas here. has my laptop since his is gone. We've had rest in peace, the HP laptop. Yeah, screw that thing. He loves it. Don't let him lie. That thing is, uh, he's written a book on that. I did. Yeah, he, he did. Let's move on. So he's had it for a long time. He's had it for a long time. Uh, Only like four years. That's a long time. Years. In la- I feel like that's a long time in laptop time. It is. is. I feel like, you know, I shoot, I, people, I feel like, I know my dad, he spent a pretty good bit on laptops. But nonetheless, here we go. I'm sorry, Rhonda. Uh, no problem, Will. Paul later wrote to Nightline from prison saying he would reveal who did this to Ashley. Quotes, trust me, uh, trust me, I am the only one who can. So he's in prison? Yeah, I think it was maybe one of the weapons charges. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. I said, well, dang, they must have something on him. No, no, has nothing in relation to the disappearance of Ashley. Okay, so completely separate charge. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but he would only talk if he could be transferred to a different prison. Of course. Which didn't happen. I mean, there was no way ABC News or Nightline could say, yeah, hey, you need to transfer this guy so he'll talk to yeah, us. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, like, who like who cares? I guess that, that prison system probably does not care about this little interview they're trying to do or whatever or deal they're trying to make. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine because if someone knows something, I guess how you coerce them to tell you yeah I, mean, I don't Without know what you would do something. yeah I, I don't know how you would do it but. i mean unless you were like hey like we'll forgive this charge if you do this or, or something like that that could be the only reason i could see i mean like i don't know i don't know what kind of things they offer to them i i don't know either because do they know maybe she was hurt or or you know where is she did was there an accident what happened did someone do something to her yeah, we, like, don't we don't know. even know where she is right now and uh Kimberly feels like that they're just playing or that maybe they don't know anything and they're just messing with her. Yeah, this sounds like honestly like kind of a squabble or something like that that's just, you know, unfortunately kind of uh, putting their family in in, in middle of it, you know, kind of. Yeah, I can't imagine what they're going through because here someone may know something and won't say anything or not know anything at all and just keep, you know, dragging this out. Well, I know if you and Thomas, y'all didn't be knocking on some doors, kicking down some doors, I feel like, at that point. I'm not sure what the family can do. Yeah. I mean, if... Yeah, again, so I have no idea. Uh, according to abcnews.go.com, Kimberly quit her job, moved back home, and she continues to search for her sister. Mm-hmm. The uh, case is now being handled by the Salt Lake City FBI field office. Uh, Ashley was a student at the Blackfeet Community College studying environmental science. She's Native American, a member of the Blackfeet Nation, brown hair, brown eyes with a scar in the shape of a check mark on top of one of her hands. And I don't know which hand. I couldn't find that detail. Yeah, yeah. And at the time of her disappearance, uh, five foot two and weighed 90 pounds. 
and today she would be nine. Uh, she would be twenty five years old. Young, still prime of her life here. Exactly. And you know, we were talking about jurisdiction, and I don't have it in my notes, but one of the articles I had pulled up was talking about jurisdiction on the reservation, and apparently, uh, tribal law enforcement can't arrest. This is what I got, and I don't think I'm misstating it. Can't arrest non-tribal people on the reservation. Okay, they would have to call in local law enforcement. So they can only arrest people who are part of like their tribe or something like that who live on on the reservation. I, I want to say there may be uh, an exception to that. Maybe violence, women and domestic violence, yeah. or women and violence. Period. Mm-hmm. There may be around a way around that, but I didn't look at the law. But I. I think it's only under certain circumstances. Well, I'm glad. I hope it is like that, Rhonda, because we've talked about on the show the statistics, you know, around murdered and missing, like indigenous women and stuff like that. That's just, it's one of those things where I would want them to be able to get someone or, or save somebody from some, you know, kind of situation they were in. So I don't know. That is a conversation that people probably need to have. Oh, yeah. I mean, the numbers are much higher on violence against indigenous women as opposed to the rest of the population. Mm-hmm. In comparison. And yeah, I wish I had written that down also, but I didn't. And we discussed that in one of our earlier Yeah, podcasts. we've had other ones where we've kind of said similar things and stuff too. But I don't know. It's And like I said, this is such a recent case. I feel like this could have some developments coming up maybe. I hope so. Uh, certainly I hope so for the family's sake to find out where she is, what happened, yep. and get some closure on it one way or another. I Like I said, her, her sister just reading the information from her sister is just heartbreaking. And and again, I don't have it in my notes, and I'm sorry for that, but I had read uh, there was one piece where they had gotten permission to, to search, and this being the family, search a trailer that law enforcement had already gone through, mm-hmm. and apparently under some carpet they found some red stains. Oh. So they cut up the carpet and put it in like a Ziploc bag to tar- try to preserve it. But this is the family doing the searching, not law oh, enforcement. So the family kind of came up with that? The, oh, my goodness. Yes, the family found it. I don't know what it is about things like that. Like if somebody brought, you know, I've never really uh, seen like parts like that. If somebody did bring you information or like physical evidence like that, like can you take it? Like, I mean, I don't know. Can I don't know if, if that's a thing that you have to be specifically trained to bring. And, you know, I don't know. I, that's a good question. I, I don't know because I guess – Law enforcement could go back out to the trailer and they could see where they had cut the carpet and away. And maybe cut up their so, own version. Yeah. So that definitely, they could tie it in that way. Well, it sounds and, like they found out where a, a place where she might have been. So that's the, the family's in, it, like, you know, investigation. So that's pretty cool. It It is cool. I mean, I, it's good that they are doing that because they don't seem to be getting a lot of help right now. Maybe early on in the case, yeah. but it seems to have slowed down quite a bit. And I don't know if they're even really getting a lot of tips here recently but again hopefully something will happen and they'll have some closure as to what happened yeah and you said too like going back it was like two months before the um that other board got involved like is it the indian affairs right yes i was like that's so crazy i'm like i I just hate that because if that was you know my child or something like that i would i'd be mad too i don't blame them if they are mad no i i you certainly can't blame them and with uh, kimberly going front in front of the uh the Senate committee, mm-hmm. I mean, to put a light on this, uh, there's definitely needs to be more of a light put on this. 100%. But uh, anyway, so my obviously my sources will be on our podcast notes. And I do have some numbers if anyone knows anything. And they're also on our podcast notes. But the um, FBI office, Salt Lake City Field Office, the number for that is 801-579-1400. Mm-hmm. 
So, Rhonda, uh, that was amazing. Amazing. <laughs> well, I think it went pretty well. And it's a, it's good information. It's, you know, if anyone obviously knows anything and or any other people who are missing. And in particular, in this case, and, you know, we try to put different light on obviously different people every yeah, week. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those people specifically or anybody Anybody out there, if you see something odd, it probably is odd. Yeah, and then like report it for sure. Thomas says that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tom, <laughs> I'm trying to get him to bring it in. Yeah. Thomas was pointing out to me during COVID how easy it is to hide someone behind the mask. And if you've got them all bundled up to where they're being protected from the virus, this is back early 2020. Yeah. Oh, yeah I think you were early, telling me about uh, this. Yeah. I saw a video of uh, a dad who was trying to give a warning to people to just keep an eye out while people were of course bundled up like they were because it was still it was like end of spring right uh and uh, he showed it by showing his daughter uh little girl long blonde hair he put a jacket on her put the mask on and tucked her uh hair up into a hat so it looked like a little boy so if there were like little if there were like amber alerts out for a little girl with long blonde hair nobody would notice it's true I mean, I, yeah. I I can only imagine how bad it was whenever COVID first happened, especially for, you know, these people probably trying to investigate cases about masks and stuff, potentially concealing people's faces and things like that, oh, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. No kidding. And that when Thomas, Thomas was telling me about that, I was like, that is really disturbing. It, it's mm-hmm. disturbing how, how far some people will go. Oh, yeah. yeah because and people it, do go that far. They do. Yeah, sure do. because if you if you put a jacket on a child, there's no I mean, you could tie their hands and have the sleeves long enough to hide. Something oh, yeah. Like well, that. I am. I, you all know me. I'm the king of wearing oversized shirts and stuff yeah. like that. Y'all will never know what body's under here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I guess we're kind of digressing here, but yeah. it's easy to make someone disappear. Yes. Bottom oh, yeah. line. And oh, yeah. so just keep a watch is what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, like I said, everything will be on our episode notes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us and share. You can reach us on Instagram, Small Town Missing. And we'll have another episode of Small Town Missing next week. Yes, we will. All right. Catch you next time. Mm-hmm.